Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network. AfterBuzz TV, over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello everyone, I'm Justin Walter, and thank you for joining me for a special sit-down interview with my co-host of the Survivor After Buzz After Show of the last two years and four seasons, the one and only three-time player, the original villainous... (laughs) From Survivor, Jerry Manthe. Hi, Justin. Jerry, thank you uh, so much for doing this. It's been forever since we've been in the studio, since the season finale. It feels like forever. It really does. <laughs> well, it's good to and be back here. And then just yesterday at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. I know. That's the beauty of it. We feel like it's so long from season to season, but then when we're back in studio, it feels like we we're just here. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to get Jerry in to do a special sit-down interview with our Spotlight On series here at After Buzz. To kind of celebrate 30 seasons of Survivor, we are in a epic 30-season mark, 15 years. Can you years. believe it's been 30 seasons? I cannot believe it's been 30. 30 years, I almost said 30 years. I almost said 30. like it. Well, we'll come back. Mark my word. We will come back to celebrate the 30-year anniversary of Survivor. Oh, my gosh. And do I another wonder, one of these. I bet we will in 15 years. I wonder if Jeff Probst is going to get tired of doing it. He won't. Well, the whole goal... I'll be on the show, I'll win, then I'll take over for Jeff. That's going to oh, be the, the goal. That's quite that's a goal. That's the goal, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you have such a unique perspective on Survivor. You were on Season 2, The Australian Outback, Season 8, All-Stars, and then Season 20, Heroes and Villains. So I really believe that not just because you're my co-host and friend from doing the show, you have been with Survivor from the very beginning. And I think a lot of people, when they're watching our show, might lose sight of that. So when, yeah, especially the the younger generation that's just now kind of tuning in. They don't even know who They don't I know am. who you are. Yeah, that, <laughs> and I, it's very strange to be on an internet site somewhere where there's people kind of chatting about Survivor and then someone will be like, uh, you know, make some abstract comment about me and I'm like, they clearly didn't see me when I was a villain because they're like, oh, she's so nice. She's so sweet. Well, you have come full circle, and we will talk about that when we get to your specific experience in Survivor. So when you started off Survivor Season 2, would you ever, could you ever have imagined that we'd be here talking about Season 30 coming up? Absolutely not. No. I mean, I when I did it the first time, I didn't really think I'd even go back a second time. I didn't think that that even would be an option. Mm-hmm. So the first All-Stars that came up, that was a huge opportunity to go back and kind of right the wrongs yeah. of the first time. A lot of people don't get that opportunity even still to this day. Yeah. But I don't think any of us had the foresight to think, wow, this is going to be a, a, the longest running reality show ever. <laughs> and not only that, just popular with the fans and keep coming back in new 
in ways all the time. Yeah, it's still, it somehow still seems to end up being somewhat original and it's, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, different challenges and, and loops that they throw in every season. Yeah. And then I, you know, people still love it. That's the thing that gets me, you know, yeah. like when people recognize me on the street, I'm still kind of in shock about it. I'm like, I can't believe that they <laughs> know me from that. Like, Wow, it's it's a trip, Justin. It, it's a total trip. <laughs> and I was telling you that in preparation for this interview, I was looking at old footage of you on YouTube from season two all the way to nowadays. <laughs> it has been a ride. Oh, my gosh. Such a ride over the last 15 years of your life. And you've clearly experienced that only yeah. that you can know how it went. So applying for season, you actually applied for season one of Survivor, yeah. which a lot of people don't know. So when you heard about Survivor before it even aired, what was the draw for you to get on a show like Um, Well, I mean, I think it helps to know where I was at in my life at the time, Mm -hmm. too. I was bartending in L.A. I had been in L.A. for seven years like as a struggling actress trying to get acting gigs. But in between, you know, the old cliche, you're either a bartender or a waitress when you're an actress. So I was kind of like at my rope's end. I was tired of dealing with drunks every night. I was like, I just I've got to figure a way to get out of here. You know, one day driving to work on the radio, there was a big announcement by CBS. It was something like... uh, you know, CBS is coming out with a new TV show. Uh, 16 people on an <laughs> island. The last one to, to make it to the end wins a million dollars. And I was just like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I knew, I knew right then that I had to apply and I knew I would win. Like that was my whole thing. I was like, there's no way. Yeah. Because at the time, they didn't, you know, they weren't specific. They didn't say, oh, it's going to be like a big popularity contest mm-hmm. and everybody better like you. Yeah. It was just like 16 people on an island. Who's going to last? Mm-hmm. In my mind, me. You're because outlast. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a very outdoors person and So all that. did you make a video on VHS and send it in just like everybody else? Or how did you make a videotape? Um, Back in the day when VHS was how you turned in tapes. Yeah, it was a VHS. <laughs> Not online, digitally. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. The internet wasn't even what it is today. and there, yeah. I think there was... There wasn't even a Survivor website yet. That oh didn't gosh. happen until yeah. after season two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I found a friend who had a video recorder and I set it on a tripod. It's so ridiculous. Uh, filmed myself, you know, tr- I was trying to be as natural, no makeup, yeah. all that. But, um, I sat on my patio in Hollywood in my apartment overlooking Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> with my little dog in my hand and a cup of coffee, you know, and I was like explaining what an outdoors person I was and <laughs> how I would get along with everybody and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, in retrospect, when you look at it, it's so ridiculous. It's awesome. Like, yeah, me, like in a pink robe with a fluffy dog and a cup of coffee. Like, no wonder they didn't pick me. <laughs> well, were you interviewed for season one or no? Were oh, you, I never even, no. You didn't make it anywhere. I made it. No. <laughs> yes. We'll see. That's why people keep trying. But season two, you, you did you apply again or did you get the call from casting that they were interested in you? They called me from casting. Okay. Um, so the, that robe must have made an impression. No, it didn't. What it was was Lynn Spillman okay, and casting. also Rosalind Jordan, who worked with Lynn at the time. Um, I w- already knew them from previous shows. I knew Lynn from Blind Date, yes. which was on MTV. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, they were really interested in the show that I did. MTV was kind of like talking to me about doing something. Um, and then my friend Rosalind, who I cast in a play that I wrote in 1998, she was also Don't part of casting. Too much. I don't, it's, <laughs> no, it's too late for it's that. Too no, late, right? That shit's all over the internet. <laughs> 
Um, so the two of them, they knew me well enough. And they, when they saw my video, they were like, what the hell is that? So yeah. Lynn called me at home and said, you have one week to get me a videotape that shows me you so that I can prove to everyone else that you're perfect for this show. Wow. And so I was like, oh my gosh, you know, here I am. I, this is, I have an in. Yes. And so I taught myself how to edit. I mixed sound. I like made the coolest video ever of the time. It was pretty advanced <laughs> voiceovers, the whole thing. And like, the rest is history. Yeah. Of you getting on season two. And now season two had the most people apply because season one was so huge. The finale had over 50 million people mm-hmm. and it came, was a summer show. And then season two came back. I remember you guys premiered after the Super Bowl. Yes. And just one of the biggest seasons of Survivor because it was the new big thing on television. And here you are. I remember the opening credits, Jerry, an aspiring actress from Hollywood. And they yeah. showed you with the Hollywood sign. I knew they did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so going into season two, how much of it was for you doing it for your acting career versus just being on a show to try and win? Well, I mean, I really didn't understand the the scope of what I was getting involved in when I got picked. Mm-hmm. You know, not until like right before we left, uh, there were all these appearances from Survivor 1 or Season 1 all over television. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I could totally twist this in a way that could help my acting career. Why not? Yeah. But truthfully the reason why i applied was because i was in the mindset of the time like i just wanted to get out of la i was tired of dealing with people at the mm-hmm. bar i was looking for an out i didn't really understand how it could affect my career until right before i left mm-hmm. um and then we you know season one didn't even catch on until like halfway through so at the end of season one that finale just sucked a whole nation whole nation and cbs was brilliant at choosing to air our premiere right after the oh Super my Bowl. Gosh. I can remember the day watching it. It was It was like history. TV his- history. TV history. It was. And what's incredible is looking back that now we're gonna have se- next week, season thirty, you were a part of it from day or season two. Yeah. Which is crazy. So And it's changed a lot. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about from your perspective, before we get into your specific experiences on the show, the evolution of Survivor as a game from your time in season two to where we are now in season thirty. So going into the game obviously in season two Strategy was molded after season one. Yes. I mean, everyone was looking to Richard Richard Hatch's uh, strategy, creating an alliance um, more than anything else, because that's all we knew. Mm-hmm. And we saw how it worked. So it became like the the way to play Survivor. Um, and I remember myself thinking, I'm going to go into this. I'm going to be aware of everyone's character traits. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pick people who I could tell I could trust. Yes. I literally based it on everyone's smile. <laughs> and Colby and Amber from season two. <laughs> yeah, Carried and up with Mitchell. Them right away. Mitchell. And even Tina. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, that, that was all any of us were thinking, but I beat everyone else to the punch. Like, mm-hmm. the second we were allowed to talk to each other and we landed in the outback, I started working some magic. Yeah. And it was very different. Also back then, because they they dropped us off and then made us hike to our <laughs> camp. Like it, it was, you know, there, there's people who are involved now in the safety and welfare of the cast, and I've talked to them after season thirty. I talked to a couple of them. They're like, "There's no way we would have ever really? let you guys do that. We were swimming in rivers with crocodiles in <laughs> oh them, like gosh. crocodiles right all. I mean, everywhere, like stuff like that. That 
nowadays, I don't think, well, I know they would never allow that kind of stuff to yeah. happen. So what are the biggest changes over the years from season two? Then you actually were in the first season where we had returning players yes. in, in all stars when the whole cast was returning players from the first seven seasons. I remember it being very brutal and personal. That was maybe the most personal season of survivor that I've seen in history of survivor. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And why can you attribute that to season eight, that first all-star season? Um, well, it was a very small community of people at that point. There was only seven seasons. So do the math. Like mm-hmm. there's 16 people per season, seven seasons. It was a very small community and we all knew each other very well. We hung out like, I mean, we, we got invited to charity events probably two times a month mm-hmm. and we'd get flown there and get put up in hotels and we really got a chance to get to know each other and hang out and meet each other's families yeah. and hang out for holidays and it was just, it, we were a tight knit family at the time, which it doesn't, it's not like that anymore, but mm-hmm. we, I can't even stress enough, like how close we all were. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a few that, you know, you're, like, you're like, whatever, but for the <laughs> most part, we loved each other. Yeah. And so when we got thrown into the all stars, it was, there was a lot of excitement for us because, you know, it gave us all the opportunity to play differently, mm-hmm. to right our wrongs, mm-hmm. to maybe redeem ourselves. But when it boiled down to it, you know, we're sitting there playing with our friends. Yeah. And it, over the course of that game, it just got more and more intense the more people started getting voted off. I just spent the weekend with Lex. And oh, you did? Yeah, we had wow. a really long conversation about the All-Stars. And it's still a very brutal thing to talk about. Interesting. You know? Well, as a fan, I remember just being with Rob going to Lex and saying, save Amber, and that's what ruined your game. You got voted off because Rob wanted Amber saved. Yeah. And Lex and Tom, they all got, they kind of got blindsided and played by Rob, and it was very bitter, like you said. Yeah. Because of the personal relationships you guys had. Yeah. And I mean, I, I guess I went into it, you know, knowing that it would happen eventually. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take it super personal, but Lex and Rob were like, best friends. I mm-hmm. mean, they saw each other a lot throughout the the time that they were on the show and yeah. And still 22 seasons later still bitter feelings, which is crazy. It yeah. just goes to show it is personal. It is not just sometimes a game when it's and people like that. Well, that's the thing I think also is that it was the first time we were like, yeah, this is a game, but it's also a game with people who have feelings mm-hmm. and you know, we're it's made for television. It's about mm-hmm. entertaining people, which is what I was saying when I got booed oh, off the finale. Oh, Jerry, while you bring that up, <laughs> while you bring that up, uh, let's go to the audio clip number three. Oh. We have an audio clip from Jerry at the finale. I'm going to say something, okay? <laughs> this whole thing is making me so sick, okay? You know what? We've got 2,000 okay, armchair survivors out there. No, I heard Lex. Say it. This show is a show about entertainment. This entertainment is coming at a price. What it has cost us, our friendships, our feelings, our pain, our suffering. Wait, Jerry. Our entertainment. Hang on. It's cost some of you friendships. We all signed up for it voluntarily. So that was you at the finale. You got booed, and then you left during the commercial break at the live finale. Yeah. The finale. I was bawling my eyes out. Take us back there. What was so raw about that experience compared to 
other survivor finale experiences for you? Well, you know, just like hearing it, it's making me get goosebumps because I just remember that feeling, you know, and I, I kind of blacked out kind of what I've said over the years, you know, and hearing it again is like, yeah, it was a very, very intense because, you know, backstage before we even got on the stage, we were all talking about how different already mm-hmm. at that point the game had become. You know, we used to get treated like first class. We got flown first class in limos and all that stuff. And it was a very different experience in the All-Stars because, I, you know, I don't even know why it changed so drastically mm-hmm. in seven years. But um, a lot of us felt like we were just being used, hmm. you know. it was There was a lot of really horrible feelings backstage. So when we got on stage... Um, you know, and it should be noted that I real I found out years later that there was the guy that was the warm up cr- the crowd warm up guy yeah. was a huge Rupert fan was running around in a Rupert T shirt with okay. tie dye and stuff. So he's running around kind of like orchestrating the crowd's reaction. Okay, it's also the first and only time at a, a reunion show where they invited the internet super fans okay. to show up. And at this point in the game, people hated me Mm -hmm. i mean it was legitimately felt hate and resentment and just like nastiness like i didn't even know it was possible to have that kind of negative reaction from an experience that i thought was so beautiful and amazing you know it was it was really shocking so you know i think you you hear what i said my whole point was that we're entertaining you people at home while you're sitting in your chairs and on your couches eating your bag of your fourth <laughs> bag of potato chips you know and on, in the all-stars we were suffering and hurting i mean I'm, I'm not even kidding you that is still to this day the most horrifically uncomfortable i've ever been in my whole life and it's the first time in my whole life i've ever felt like i was going to die yeah it was intense mm-hmm. and so to have you know people booing me was just first of all very disrespectful um and especially for me as an actress being in Madison Square Gardens, it's like one of those places you see on TV and you kind of honor it. Like, yeah. someday I'm going to make it to Madison Square Gardens. I'm going to be on stage. You know, and then to have that kind of reaction was, I that really hurt me yeah. personally. Um, but then they were booing me. And then the second they'd cut to Colby, they would cheer and laugh yeah. and clap, you know. and. You know, over the years, we've all gotten to see Colby's true colors. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know? We could do a whole spotlight on, on Jerry and Colby. Yeah, it's funny. They always seem to pair us together. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. But it was very, very intense. Well, going into season one, season two, your first experience, you came off as the villain. You know, the first true kind of female villain of Survivor, or yeah. one of them, after Sue Hawk. Then we go into All-Stars season eight, as a fan, I remember you playing differently, and you've said it a couple times here tonight, going to redeem yourself and going mm-hmm. to play for redemption. So when you go into a season like that, and then you get booed at the finale, it's a sense of you went on for one goal and you didn't even achieve that. I didn't get anywhere close to redeeming myself, and it didn't make any sense. Um, you know, especially when you're there and you see how things really go down. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Rupert was like the fan favorite and all that, but... You know, that that night that he built that shelter by digging a Mm -hmm. hole in the beach, there was like, to me, I thought, okay, here's the moment where America is going to get to see the Rupert I know, which Mm -hmm. is a crazed maniac (laughs) who doesn't make any logical sense. And even that didn't get end up being brought to light at the end. Like, there was just so many, felt like so many unfair things. But then you realize, you know, later on in life that it's reality television Mm -hmm. is not 
real. Mm-hmm. It's not what you see. It's not what you think. It's edited. There's people in the background creating storylines. They're trying to manipulate you along the storylines. You choose whether you want to follow that storyline or not. And you either become someone who's manipulating the camera and the people to get more camera time, mm-hmm. or you become the kind of person who's not there to be on TV. You're, you're legitimately wanting to win a million dollars. Which is, when we talk about it, what we got when you went back for Heroes and Villains, I think. Exactly. So before exactly. we move on, we have another audio clip. Jerry's, you're reading my mind. We, you can tell that we've done this for so long together because... I'm, I, these moments you're talking about, these are the moments I picked to talk about. Wow. So if we go to audio <laughs> two, let's talk about one of the lowest moments for you on Survivor ever Ooh. was Rupert in the shelter mm-hmm. where you felt like you almost were going to die. So I have a, a moment of you talking about the shelter that you were supposed to build with Rupert. Wow. Personally, I don't feel digging into the ground is a good idea. Okay. So you want to build the thing all out of the ground? We need... Yeah, I, I think it makes more sense because if we get it moist, kind of underground, we're Do we want totally... to be an eye catcher, a pop, um, oh my God, or do we want to be like everybody else? Um, what I want is a place I can actually sleep in. Sounds to me like you're really concerned about something standing out, and I love that. But... None of them are going to make a structure as creative as ours. They're going to make huts. I hear you. We're going to make a log cabin. <laughs> Rupert's a complete control freak. He has to have everything his way, and he thinks he's the only one who can... (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Does it bring you back? It does, because if you notice, I was going out of my way Mm -hmm. to be as gentle and and coercive in in a... very communicative sort of way to open his eyes, perhaps, to what the bigger picture was. I wasn't being confrontational. I wasn't being angry. I mean, you can hear in my voice, I'm pleading with him, please, because yeah. I was genuinely concerned about our safety. And you were right. Yes, I was totally <laughs> right. It was like, you know what? It was like me and Mother Nature were like... Hey. They didn't show you doing the rain dance to get that rain to come to wipe you out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> to prove Rupert wrong. <laughs> That's so not even what happened. It's so crazy. Like, I, I was just talking to Lex about this this weekend. Um, the moment when everyone else was kind of asleep that night, the storm came in, and I was, I could not sleep in that mm-hmm. thing because I kept waiting for it to cave in on us. It probably weighed about 10 tons. Yeah. It was like, you know, tree trunks stacked on top of each other with screws from Home Depot. And remember the Home Depot box? Oh, yeah. It was definitely product (laughs) placement. And you had to build the best shelter. Yeah. So I was like waiting and waiting. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I just saw the water rising inside the shelter. And everybody's asleep. And I'm like, get up, everybody. Wake up. There was no cameras. The camera guys ran away because the storm was so bad. We had no footage of any of the horrible stuff that happened at that moment. And Rupert still, he was like, go ahead, get out if you want. Why would I get out? And I'm like, dude, get out. You are going to die of your stubbornness in a hole. Like, oh you're going to be God. buried alive, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, while we're talking about memorable Jerry moments, from the beginning of Survivor Australia Outback, you had one of the most memorable and still to this day buzzed about things when you accused Cal of eating beef jerky. <laughs> Now, I had a friend that literally, and I said literally because we always wonder who says that, but I had a friend that literally, and I'm putting hashtag literally on this, texted me asking me to this day, how many years later, did Cal really eat beef jerky? Wow. So, clip number one. Can we play clip number one? Right through it. I saw him 
would put something in his mouth and it was like dark brown colored shredded looking sort of thing. Jerry blatantly said that she saw something look just like beef jerky go into his mouth and I I believe her actually. I guarantee it was. I saw him chewing but you saw I saw him chewing too. Yeah. Oh, I find it really comical that you think I would do that. I think it's pretty comical. Oh, I think it's I think it's comical myself. <laughs> <laughs> Comical. I love your and cackle. And also brings up another point, and I was going to do this later on tonight. Oh, that's I know right. during the competition you guys were talking about your faces were getting struck in, uh, the girls were talking about wanting to shave their legs. <laughs> I've got three blades out here. The girls can use one blade, the guys can use the other blade. I have no problem with that whatsoever. He suddenly, at that point, offered his razor. And I think that that's the hugest sign of guilt is to give to the people who have just accused you of something that is very serious. Wow. Yeah, you know, okay, you listen to that, right? And you have to wonder, like, how did they twist that into me totally making this thing up when everybody clearly saw it as well? So set the record straight. Did he eat beef jerky? Kel had beef jerky. He absolutely 100% did. And I I don't doubt it, like, even a little bit. In fact, Jeff Probst, about a decade, like ten, a decade. ten seasons, I can't <laughs> a decade, ten, ten years or ten seasons. Yeah, I think ten seasons later, he came out in uh, Entertainment Weekly magazine and admitted that he believed me. Okay. I was like, there where you were go. you, Jeff, when everybody <laughs> hated me for supposedly making this up? No, yeah. he got busted in the airport when we got into Australia. You're not allowed to bring meat products mm-hmm. or food into Australia. He got busted in the airport with 20 bags of beef jerky oh, wow. in his suitcase. Colby's the one who told me that. By the way, and then uh, when I heard that, I was like, holy crap, like if he had just been smart and offered it to the rest of us, <laughs> it would have been a totally different thing for Cal. <laughs> well, and look at it even too, going back to, or fast forwarding to season 29 with Julie and the trail mix that we have oh, fun right. talking about. Yeah. From season two to 29, hiding food in the the bags and eating food not with your tribe gets you into a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. No, it's huge. I mean, at least hers came from a, a challenge reward. So yeah. you can, you knew where it was coming from. This was like, what the heck is going on, man? Like, yeah. he kept running off into the woods. He was very antisocial. Kel had a lot of, you know, things stacked against him, but... Got to boot him or boot it early. Yeah. So yeah. one thing I want to talk to you about uh, beyond kind of some specific memories is looking at Survivor as a whole from that moment of being there with the beef jerky in the Australian Outback to analyzing and watching the show as an AfterBuzz host from season 29. What are the biggest changes in evolution in the game from a three-time player that you are surprised about or that you didn't imagine the game would go in that direction from the very beginning days? Um, I think it's just the the different ways they've decided to play the game. You know, by introducing blood versus water, that was really very controversial. It could have gone either way, but it was fascinating. And At then, least the first time around. Yeah, <laughs> the first time around. it was, We loved it. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I talked to Lex about that, too, because he got asked to go with his son. Oh, wow. And his son was so damaged he was at the all-star finale reunion the booing his son was there and because of that his son was like there's no no way i am going on survivor like yeah so i mean there's there's a list is like ridiculous of all the things that have changed in the game i know now you know because i've played on season 30 that they're much more on top season 20 (laughs) season 20 are you on season 30 are you a surprise contestant i wish nah (laughs) uh nah um (laughs) 
I, I don't know. Would do I don't you, th- would I wear a collar on that no, or not? I don't yeah. know. Probably not. <laughs> You'd be no collar. No collar. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, so, do you think the changes in the game? Obviously, the game has to change for people to be interested. Do you agree yes. with the changes we've seen with all the idols, with all the twists? Is it still? survivor true survivor in your mind as the game should be yeah it's still survivor i think they they did a great job of coming up with new ideas so that Mm -hmm. it would keep people interested i think that was the the main goal i think they've achieved that you Mm know um but i know like the behind the scenes stuff has changed drastically as well you know they're very on top of people's medical care and health whereas with us it was like <laughs> if you're sick well too bad you know Bye. yeah you <laughs> do either, whatever you want you either quit or you know there's no option there's nobody taking care of you so mm-hmm. the the feeling of isolation was way m- much more intense back okay. in the old days than it is now mm-hmm. um like if you feel like nowadays you you have a really bad headache medical come look at you Whereas yeah. back in your day, just oh, we deal couldn't with even it. take medicine or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know. Although Mad Dog did have nicotine patches, oh yeah, because she's yeah. a smoker. They don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. They just let those nicotine people go through their withdrawals mm-hmm. and become total assholes. It's a, it's a good way to quit smoking, <laughs> though, right? It's not the <laughs> the most private way to go through the yeah. stressful process. Well, Sh- yeah. Shane on uh, Exile, the first Exile, yeah, season, Shane, did it. yeah, and so did um, uh, James. Yes, James. Yeah, he had some outbursts. Yeah. So it, you know, there's been a lot of commemorative stuff going on with Survivor because we are in the 30th season. One thing is CBS did a poll for fans: the top best. Or it's the CBS Top 10 All-Time Greatest Survivor Castaways. Have you looked at that at all? Have you seen it or no? I did. You did. So do you agree, number one, Boston Rob, do you agree No. that fans voted Boston Rob number one All-Time Greatest Survivor Castaway ever? No. Who would you... Why first no, before we get to who you think? Um... Well, I first of all, I don't really know if I believe in the voting system that is used to make these mm-hmm. huge things because... Um, much like any other TV show, there's a lot of marketing things that people behind the scenes are trying to push yeah. to keep the show going and keep it alive. And, and I know Jeff Probst is totally in love with Boston Rob, and I wish you would just marry him, Jeff. <laughs> Seriously. Boston, Come do it again. Well, Jeff's yeah. in California. Boston Rob moved to California. Yeah, look at Boston Rob in Heroes and Villains. Look how quickly he was out because mm-hmm. people know what he's capable of. And the season that he won was set up for him to win. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I don't feel like he's the greatest player of mm-hmm. all time. Number um, two was Russell Hance, your favorite. Yeah, again, no. If he was the greatest player of all time, he he made it to the final three each time he played, and he couldn't, well, except the last time, he couldn't win yeah. because he doesn't understand it's a social game. Mm-hmm. You can't belittle the people you voted off and expect them in the jury to vote for you to win. So, no, he's not, he shouldn't even be on the list. All right, so, Jerry, I want to hear who you think should be on the list. Who would be, oh, in God. your mind, the top Number one all-time greatest player of all time over the last 29 seasons. Jeez, man, I don't know. That's like a very... You don't just say number one. How about give me maybe two or three people that you think would be in the running at least? I think Kim. Kim Spradlin. Yes, Kim Spradlin played an excellent game. From Survivor One World. She's very likable. Everyone liked her. There was never a moment where everybody's like, Kim's horrible. Mm -hmm. And she worked people and let them... Not even, they didn't even know they were getting worked. Yeah. And I know Troy Zan's going to be mad I said that. <laughs> I, th- I think she's a great player. Okay, Kim Spradlin. Um, Name a few more. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think. 
<laughs> These are always the questions. I'm like, ah, there's so many good people on the show because it's very okay. Here's even if you give me five, I don't care. No, it's very easy to get confused between the greatest player of all mm-hmm. time or the greatest character of I all time. I want player, right? Strategic, uh, smart. Well, I mean, the last season, uh, Natalie, mm-hmm. she also played an incredible game. Mm-hmm. Um, Gosh. You draw a blank. It's, yeah, it's Where would you? What about, let me ask you about some people who are on the list. That, okay. Would you agree with poverty being on the list? Yes, I would agree with poverty. Even though her flirtation tactics, that's a one card. That's one card. She keeps playing over and over again. And it works. Yeah, and I'm curious if she goes back to see if it'll work again. Well, one thing, speaking of her, I had a lot of fun going through a lot of your old confessionals. And you were so humble and honest when you were talking about playing with her in Heroes and Villains because you said, I tried to get her out. I saw her working everybody. Then I worked with her and she has a magic that I just watched. There, You know, I thought I would vote for Russell, but I'm thinking I'll vote for Poverty. And then you did vote for her to win yeah. Heroes and Villains. So yeah, because I tried, something. To, I tried to get rid of her from day one and she mm-hmm. was still there at the end. So I had to respect that, yeah. you know. Um, what about Sandra? Sand, I love Sandra. You know, she's a great character. I, you know, her gameplay, I question. So you'd put her more on the character list compared to game player. <sighs> yeah, and nothing bad towards you, Sandra. And you know, don't get upset about this because she might be watching. But <laughs> I just, I'm one of those people who, when I go into anything I do in my life, I'm there like fighting for it, scratch and kick and scream, and I would never go into challenge after challenge after challenge and quit because mm-hmm. I knew that I wasn't going to win anyway. Mm-hmm. And that lost, there was a certain level of respect that was lost in that. But I like her as a person. I think she's awesome. And just in the game of Survivor, I don't necessarily agree with that strategy. But at the same time, it worked. And, well, what about the fact that she is the only two-time back-to-back winner of both well, times she's played? That's just because I wasn't in the final three. And she finally admitted that. So let's get there. Let's <laughs> let's talk about Heroes and Villains while we're on this topic. Heroes and Villains, you go back for the third time. The second time we already talked about, you went back for redeeming yourself and kind of a redemption. The third time, going into the third season, what was your mentality going into Heroes and Villains? I wanted a million bucks. That that's all it. I cared about. I didn't care about being on TV. I didn't care about being the most anything. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to win a million dollars. And now my strategy was to fly under the radar, stay out of any conflict whatsoever, keep my mouth shut. Um, and these are all things that are very challenging for me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you keep your mouth shut. I can't even imagine. <laughs> this is where I learned the whole flying under the strategy, uh, or sli- radar. flying under the radar strategy takes a lot, a lot out so you of you. So have here. a new respect for it, actually. Yes. I used to think, oh, that's lame. That's, you know, mm-hmm. now I'm like, yeah, it's really hard to stay out of conflict when you know you have an answer that could fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was I was just there to win a million bucks. So I've heard you say this on our show a couple of times, and you said it already. You honestly believe if you were in the final three for Heroes and Villains, you would be the million-dollar sole survivor. Oh, yeah. yeah. So tell us why. Um, because I, I figured out how to um, I manipulate Russell without him even knowing I was manipulating him into thinking that he was always in charge. I mean, I think we all did that with him because it was so easy. All you had to do was pump up his ego and mm-hmm. then he would, you know, explode on himself. I guess that's called imploding. <laughs> um, and so at the end, you know, I had made 
decent relationships and connections with almost everyone on the jury except Danielle. She was really angry that I turned against her, mm-hmm. but I had there was a crack and I had to take the the opportunity. Um, and what about all the the heroes on the jury? Because it seemed like it was a very bitter jury, where a lot of them voted for Sandra almost out of spite. Some people would argue, no, they, they, or did they vote because they just couldn't stand Russell in poverty? Or how, how they did couldn't they stand Russell in poverty to begin with. So you would have gotten. You think most all the votes that went to Sandra? You think you would have gotten? Yeah, and the reason. Well, I don't know if I would even call them a bitter jury mm-hmm. because even if any of them had a shred of. Um, hope that Russell might say the right thing in the final tribal council. He blew it. He did. He literally, because I was going to vote for him at one point, mm-hmm. you know, right after I got voted off, Jeff approached me immediately, like in the woods before he I did? even, yeah, before I even got to the bottom of the steps. He's like, really? Jerry, I got to know who would you vote for right now if you could to win a million dollars? I said, probably Russell. Wow. And, you know, when we went into that, final tribal, Russell sat there and looked at all of us, including me, like right in the eye and said, I don't need any of you. I didn't need any of you. I did this all by myself. And I'm like, you are a dumbass. <laughs> like, seriously, you just lost every chance of oh, getting God. a vote from anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have very, very easily become humble mm-hmm. and and, and broke it down like every single play he made and given everyone credit where credit was due, he might have had a shred of hope. Yeah. But his the way he handled it was just like, it was, I've never seen anything like it at right. any travel council. It was the dumbest comment I've ever seen. That's why if he's on a top 10 survivor list, I have to question who made hmm. up that list. Yeah. I really do. Interesting. Because he could have... He could have won. Yeah, and it's just it's going back. If you haven't, go back and look at those YouTube videos. It's crazy to put ourselves back as a fan and rewatching those moments. The final tribal. Yeah, just the final tribal and those moments of people getting voted off and the the move with the double idols and all the idol plays. It was. A it was great a great season. season. Honestly, I think still it was a my great favorite, season. one of my favorites, if not my favorite. There were season. way too many idols, though. It was. It was. Well, that's, I'm not, the game has gone that route. I'm not even kidding you. Like yeah. we couldn't keep track. <laughs> we were like, wait a minute, there was an idol over there, but yeah. it's been played. So is there one like? I mean, it was just so many idols. It felt like yeah. Idol Island. So once you were voted <laughs> off, I want to listen to kind of some of the words you had to say when you were voted off, Heroes and Villains, if we can listen to audio number four. But I have to say, honestly, this has been the experience of my life. I, I feel like being the third time I played this game, I'm going out with nothing but... A positive experience to take with me. Now I can shelf all the the stuff that's happened in the past in this game and look at myself and be proud of myself and know that I played the best game I could and I feel like I've fully redeemed myself on so many levels that um, playing this game for the third time was the best decision I've ever made. Wow. I said that? Yeah. <laughs> The beauty of being in a reality show, we can dig up these these clips, right? Wow, what a trip. So I was definitely on a high. I was disappointed, but I had accepted what happened. What was the high? I mean, the high was, was it feeling like you redeemed yourself finally in the game of Survivor, or was it making it the furthest you've ever made? It was... It was the furthest I'd ever made it. I felt like I made it through without doing anything that was going to come back at me in any way. Um, I don't feel like I had to manipulate or, or lie to mm-hmm. anybody, you know, in any way that was 
damaging to myself or anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like my integrity was intact. I, I was proud of myself. You know, I think when you get voted off, there's like this kind of disappointment, but there's also a euphoria because you're, you've been under such duress for so long and you haven't really been able to just speak your mind to anybody. And, yeah. and when they put you in that little confessional thing and they're just like, you know, go ahead, say what you need to say. <laughs> like, you just, you're kind of like a deer in headlights for a second. And then everything just, it's like the whole world is spinning, you know, it's so real. It's yeah. just real. And I think it's, Hearing myself, I can hear my voice. Like I, I actually sounded blissful and happy, and right. I remember and you I looked it too when you see the video. Yeah, I was, I was. I mean, cut to a couple months later when you start going, "What if? Oh, I should have. Oh, yeah. coulda, woulda, woulda." You know, those are the things that I think being on shows where you get voted off, you have to find some sense of peace mm-hmm. in what happened, and try not to dwell too much on how things could have gone differently. Yeah. And that is a very, very hard thing to do. I can't imagine. Subconsciously, the dreams, I still have weird dreams. Like I, I wake up like, like, yeah. oh my gosh, you know, and I, and I wish, you know, I would have won. Like it yeah. would have been the perfect arc to my character. Yeah. You know? <laughs> would you go back? Would you go back? That's a question you always get. You know, honestly, what I wish for myself more than anything is that I have such a great level of success in my life that I have to turn it down. That's my hope to the universe. So what would that be for you? What would be your success that would give you that ability to say no to survivor? If I had a full-time acting gig, I would definitely turn it down. Mm -hmm. There's that is it's since I was nine years old. That's been my dream, my goal. Mm -hmm. And it's been the hardest one to achieve which is the most frustrating yeah. thing for me because I pretty much get exactly what I want over time if <laughs> I'm persistent enough. But it's the one thing that's just always out of my reach. And it's the one thing that would keep me from going back on Survivor. You know? Having that. But if, 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 let's say, I don't have that to hold me back here, I would seriously consider going back. Mm-hmm. I realize now after three times what a huge commitment that is to myself physically and mentally like it, there there's nothing you can do to prepare for what happens to you on survivor so for someone who's never played for fans you've been there three times it's been a huge part of your life the last 15 years of your life <laughs> God. no but it's true <laughs> think about it so Does survivor in a way though sometimes define you in a way you wish you hadn't played the game or do you think that you're acting for example you maybe think of maybe if i didn't go on survivor i would be in a different spot so looking at survivor and the impact on your personal life are you happy with where survivor has brought you to today or would you sometimes question where it has brought you well it's funny you worded that way because basically what you're just asking me right now is how do i deal with the fact that I decided to do Survivor, much the way after doing Survivor, I question how I played the game. Mm-hmm. You know, so Survivor's always been like a mirror to what life really is in a lot of ways, especially the entertainment business. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't regret anything I've done in my life, and sometimes it's hard not to. Yeah, Survivor really, I think, helped me grow in ways that I never would have had the opportunity to grow in any other choice I'd made, you know, I, I feel like there's things I can accomplish mentally, physically that, you know, I would never in a million years have thought mm-hmm. that I could do. I also 
<laughs> so think that if the world were suddenly come to an end, I would be one of the last people standing because <laughs> I, I like, I know how to suffer and I know how to fix that now, yeah. you know? Um, that's why I still have my dirt bike. <laughs> and your this. Flint keychain. <laughs> and I still have Flint in my <laughs> glove box. And I'd love, you know, I will never take that out of my Good. glove box. Good. I mean, you never know when you might need to make a fire because fire is life. <laughs> It is. <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. So you you wouldn't not do it. Um, no, I would I would do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, are there things I wish I could do differently? Absolutely. I wish there's very specific moments where yes, I wish I had done something a little bit different. Okay. But overall, mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade any of those experiences. I mean, I the second season, that yeah. whole era back then was so different. We really got treated like huge celebrities. Well, one thing, if we can pull up picture one on the monitor to speak of this. <laughs> Jerry Manthe, is it up on the monitor? It is. Jerry Manthe, uh, you did Playboy after season two of Survivor. I did, yeah. And that goes to show how different it was back then that you guys were celebrities in the U.S. Yeah, we were. And it was treated crazy. like that. I mean, I'd never flown first class before. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you, it's the way to fly. <laughs> but would I ever pay that kind of money for a plane ticket? No. So speak about Playboy. You know, are you happy you still did that decision looking back? And what was Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah. Playboy's never, I mean, what I've learned over the years is there are women out there who they spend their entire life trying to figure out how to get into Playboy. Mm-hmm. It was never on my radar. I never thought to myself, oh, someday I'm going to be on Playboy. So when they asked me, you know, I was like, well, yeah, sure. You know, it was like. <laughs> Very easy to decide. Um, I did go into it with my own set of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that Playboy was really prepared to have a conversation with me. What were some of the boundaries? Um, if you're allowed to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, they wanted me to do a coinciding video, which would have been like, you know, videoing me during the photo shoot. Okay. And I didn't feel comfortable with that because I wouldn't have control mm-hmm. over what was shown. Like the pictures... I got to help pick some of them out. Some of them I didn't pick out, mm-hmm. but um, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I couldn't I couldn't do it, and I mean, I turned down a lot of money not to do the video, really? but it was just something morally that I had some kind of issues with, and I'm I'm really glad that I made that decision. Um, you know, I, I said to them, I said, I'm not running through a field wearing. You know, cut off shorts, blowing bubbles. <laughs> so it's like, and then it turned out that's kind of what they had in mind. And oh I was like, okay, gosh. yeah, that's not really where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, well, and I actually have some footage of behind the scenes footage that I'm going to dig out one oh of these gosh, days. Oh my gosh, you have to. Yeah, there's some really funny stuff. Um, I had a good time doing it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm basically, uh, what is the word? Forever preserved at age 30, you know, in a magazine. Um, you look hot. <laughs> Thanks. You, you know hot. what? I felt hot. That's you, for sure. <laughs> and honestly, you you look the same. I mean, I haven't seen you naked, Jerry. <laughs> but watching your videos of you... a little uh, softer. <laughs> watching you from season two and your videos from season eight and then your videos from season 20 and even working with you, you still look the same. Oh, I mean, for God's sake. I think you do. I the think the you lighting do. in here must be the really good. The lighting is great in here. <laughs> Looking at your survivor experience as a whole and that we are coming up to season 30, the 15th anniversary, what is, looking at it in your life, the main takeaway you take away from being a part of Survivor, being a part of this community, and having this as a huge part of your life? What do I take away from it? Yeah, what's your takeaway? 
Um, just that I've gotten to experience things that I would never have gotten the chance to experience. You know, I have to say, when you are forced out into the elements of nature and you're, you have to be there for, you know, a month, Mm -hmm. you learn a lot about yourself, what, and what you're capable of, you know, things that you never thought you were possible to do, you're doing them. Mm -hmm. Um, you also learn mother nature can be... Quite scary <laughs> and also very beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's things that I will never take for granted again. Mm-hmm. My bed, for one. Yeah. After All Stars, I bought myself a $3,500 Tempur-Pedic. Oh, my god! And I still, I, every time I get on that bed, I'm just like, oh, thank God. You know, if I wow. hadn't been on Survivor, I might not, I wouldn't. There's no yeah. way I would have it, first of all. And second of all, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know, a roof over my head, a car that you drive to get somewhere like yeah. the very basic simple things i think that survivor just kind of like teaches you not to take for granted yeah. well i want to talk about some things that you're doing currently in your life but before i do that a question just popped in my head that i think a lot of fans would be interested in. who from over the seasons are you close with and who are you still kind of keep in your life as people that you created these friendships through Survivor and you're happy you have them to this day? Uh, well, Lex mm-hmm. is a huge one. Uh, we don't get to see each other very much, but when we do, it's like just, you know, lovey-dovey, like happy. We, we share a lot. Like th- That's the thing, too, is I've met some amazing people by doing Survivor, uh, people who you have this commonality with and that you can share stories and kind of bounce things off that mm-hmm. you, you can't do with your spouse or your your significant other because they weren't there and they don't understand and nobody understands that wasn't there went through it. Yeah. Um, so Lex, um, I still stay in touch with Mitchell. Uh, Holly Hoffman uh. is like one of my favorites. I just adore Holly. She's so amazing and very positive. Oh, mm-hmm. that, she's just oh, a ray of light. Uh, Troy Zan. I love Troy Zan. Um, who else? I mean, there's there's a handful of people. And then when we still do charity events, there's kind of a, a camaraderie there with certain groups of us. We've kind of, I think, I hate to say clicky, but there's mm-hmm. definitely like little cliques of people. And I tend to go towards the clicky people who, you know, drink but don't get out of control, who are very positive and happy. And they, so the more I can't mature say, survivors. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if I walk away from an event and my cheekbones hurt because I've been laughing so hard... It's a good way to judge friends. Yeah. You that, want them to be hurting. Exactly. That's Those are the kind of people I want in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody who's like, like, no names. You don't need the drama. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't really have time for that. And I also enjoy people who don't spend for their all the time talking about Survivor. Mm-hmm. I want to hear about people's lives and yes. what they're doing. You know, I want to I be around fascinating people who have multifaceted yeah. lives with things that they enjoy yeah. doing other than focusing on all the ickiness of some of the things we went through, you know, which you do, you are doing a lot of things on your own that we, I want to talk about first (laughs) and foremost, you've been playing with your rings. You have your own jewelry (laughs) business. And if we could throw up, you know, some pictures, uh, two and three of Jerry's jewelry by Jerry. So talk a little bit about your background with creating your own jewelry line. Um, I learned the craft from my aunt who's about 80 some years old uh, she basically supports her and her husband who had a stroke by selling jewelry. It's all made from antique heirloom silverware. So it's a repurposed art. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wants to keep it in the family with the other women. She's been teaching her daughters and they all live all over the United States and everyone seems to be 
a kind of turning towards this new craft. Yeah. And it's kept the family together. Like, I hadn't seen my aunt since I was 19, and then I spent a weekend with her last year. Wow. And I realized that this jewelry brought us together. And she started making things that my grandmother, from her silverware. Wow. And, you know, I, I do different art shows, and I've got a website, jewelrybyjerry.com. And I can't even hardly keep up on the website, it honestly. Just, how fast does the jewelry go once you put it up there? I mean, I'm, I usually make um, batches of it before a show I do. And then whatever I don't sell in the show, I put on the website. But then I've been doing so many shows that... I just, I've been. You can't keep up. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a, a great problem. It's a great problem. <laughs> but it's also allowing me to travel around yeah. and, and uh, talk to people in my booth because people recognize me and they'll oh, be like, yeah. Jerry, like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm selling jewelry. Then, you know, I ask people if they have silverware they want to donate to me or have me um, create an heirloom piece for their grandkids. That's or, nice. yeah, it's, it's like, it's a very personal one-on-one experience that I enjoy having with people. How long does, for example, the necklace you're wearing or the rings you're wearing, how long does each piece take for you to make in your garage? I'm assuming that where you're making it. Everyone's different. Everyone's different. Yeah. It's, and it's a very organic art. Like okay. the, the fork, I may look at it and go, Hey, I'm going to make this with it. And then I start bending it. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it doesn't want to bend that way. So yeah. I got to change it up. It's yeah. like, it's my creative outlet. As long as I'm creating something, I'm a pretty damn happy person. Yes. Well, <laughs> you create a lot of things when you go to Burning Man. Tickets just went on sale yesterday. Yeah. And how many years have you been going to Burning Man and cooking at your own camp? This is my 15th year. And we have pictures to scroll through of this. Cool. You, how many years? This is my 15th year. 15. Yeah. Going to Burning Man. Yeah. So what do you, what is your camp? What do you do at Burning Man? Um, I feed about a hundred people. I run a, a, basically a restaurant now. And mm-hmm. last year I added on a cabaret and a saloon. So we have a bar, live entertainment and uh, a full sized restaurant more or less. And I, I have like 47 volunteers on staff. It's, it's turned into quite an ordeal and I just, it's my greatest achievement every year the fact that i organize this stuff go out there create this space with these amazing people and then we leave no trace we just take off and there's nothing left and you love doing it i it's my favorite time of year like you know i've often had to ask myself if survivor asked me to come back and do survivor (laughs) and it was during burning man could i do it because i already missed it once because of survivor Mm -hmm. and heroes and villains was during burning man and it was the whole time i was out there i was like oh Oh my, gosh. oh my gosh, right now I would have been building my shelter. <laughs> Instead, I'm listening to you guys fight over this crappy shelter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, your voice, you lend your voice now. A new venture you're going on is audiobooks, correct? I have my first audiobook coming out. So I didn't write it. It's, um, it's called uh, Cold Spring by Bernadette Walsh. Um, I believe it should be hitting um, Audible Books by Amazon sometime in the next week. Okay. Um, it's a pretty powerful story. It was, it was, sometimes tough Mm -hmm. to read it but i mean i it's intense it's a story about a woman who is trying to overcome some tragedy that occurred in her childhood that there's a lot of flashbacks i don't want to give away too much but i gotta tell you honestly especially women out there it's a it's a very powerful book Mm -hmm. cold spring by bernadette walsh check it out well you have a lot going on jerry and (laughs) i'm so excited for you and everything you're doing thanks it has been a pleasure to interview on Spotlight On, but before, I know you wanted to say something. You have kind of a little bit. You recently made a decision and wanted to announce something to me in the AfterBuzz Survivor fan base. Yeah, I'm not going to be coming back to do AfterBuzz. So, last <laughs> and I, did, I wanted to last. wait till when I could tell you, Justin, when I would be seeing you in person because I know 
it's been we've been we've had so much fun together, but we're still going to do things together. Don't even think for a mm-hmm. second I'm disappearing, but I'm just I'm trying to focus on all the things I have going on. Uh, there's so, so much opportunity that's presenting itself to me, so I have to really focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll probably I'll still watch Survivor and I'll still talk to you about it if you want to. <laughs> I just yes. will be coming. In this studio, and it's kind of sad being here today because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be back. Well, Jerry, I want to say on behalf of the fans, and I get emotional even thinking about not doing it with you because <laughs> this has been an incredible experience getting to do this with you for four seasons. Likewise, I, likewise. I have, I have been a huge fan of the show, and from watching you on season two and getting the opportunity to sit here for four seasons, two years straight to do this with you on a weekly basis. It has been a pleasure for me. It feels like even though I've tried so hard to get on the show and if this is the closest I ever do get to being on the show with you, (laughs) it's been an honor. You are an amazing woman, an amazing person. You're going to make me cry. I'm going to cry because I can't even think about doing it without you. You have changed my experience doing this show. I've looked forward to it every week coming in and getting to talk Survivor with you. You are going to be missed. I'm going to miss you so much. Oh, Justin, I'm and going to miss you too. But we're, we're still going to hang out. We'll still do stuff. Okay, promise me. I hope so. You, we have it on <laughs> tape here. But thank you so much for the two years you have put in here at AfterBuzz. I know AfterBuzz is grateful. I'm grateful. All the fans love you. And it's going to be really tough not having you on AfterBuzz doing the Survivor After Show. I, I will love and cherish every minute. <laughs> and thank you so much for doing this with me. Thanks, Justin. And thank you for doing this today. It's been pretty awesome to to hear some clips that I haven't really yeah. heard for like a decade. <laughs> well, we hope to see you maybe come guest and, uh, and more Jerry Manthe and excited to see where you're going. And best of luck. Thanks, Justin. Yes, that is it. Thank you, Jerry. This has been our Spotlight on with Jerry Manthe. Thanks, After Buzz. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.